Blog Talk Radio. This episode is dedicated to Messy Boots blogger, Mr. Jared Scott Page. Jared, you will be missed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, Micah. (laughs) I want to first thank all of you for your love, your support, as well as your patience while I took a break from Radio Land. This is an actual bonus episode, but it is episode number 44. While it is not our official season three opener, I felt that there were some things that we needed to, you know, discuss that's been going on in the news as well as social media. Um, so we want to go ahead and sit down and, and, and talk about those. But before we do, I want you to first know, please go and follow us, okay? Follow us on iTunes. If you have an iPhone 4, 4S, 5, 5S, 5C, 6, or 6 Plus, you can simply click on the purple podcast app on your iPhone device, click search at the bottom right, and search the talk W forward slash Micah and friends. Again, that's the talk W forward slash Micah and friends. And you can subscribe to the show totally free, okay? And there you'll actually be able to have access to all 44 episodes, and that's season one and season two combined. Also, remember, we can be found on the site that makes it happen each and every episode. That's Blog Talk Radio. So you'll simply visit and make sure to follow us on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah. Again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah for all access to the episodes that we have, okay? Well, before we get into the meat of today's conversation, let's hear a brief word from our sponsors. I made a promise to myself many years ago before I ever put out a book that I wouldn't produce or put out any type of project if I didn't have something to say. And so I really didn't think that I had lived enough to write a full book, a sequel, but I actually had something to say and I'm actually in love with this new book. This new book is actually called One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure. It is the sequel to Words Never Spoken, and I'm actually in love with this new book. (laughs) I'm just as excited about One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure as I was about Words Never Spoken. What's up, everybody? This is Craig Stewart. My book's Words Never Spoken and the follow-up. One thing for certain, two things for sure can be purchased now from my website. That's www.craigthewriterstewart.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Talk with Micah. And this is your girl, T.S. Madison. Yes, God, honey. Miss New Weave, 22 inches herself. Remember, ladies, if you ain't rocking 22 inches or better, bitch, you're practically bald. Hey, yo, what's up? This is Kendall Brinkley Brown, and here's a preview of my debut single, Why. Available now on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. You got me saying why, why, maybe it's just in my name. Download the hit single Y. Available today on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. Hey, 
For more information, please visit www.kindlemix.com. Again, that's www.kendollmix.com. And now I'm singing live. What up, guys? I'm A.L. And I'm C. And, and we're, we're the Etc. Twins. Make sure you guys check out our brand new single, Confetti, available on iTunes and Amazon today. Here's a little sneak peek. It's a private body.
she then started to make major changes to her body, you know, with plastic surgery, to revere that of a woman, that's when I believe, like, the majority actually believe what we had heard and what we had seen to now, for the most part, be true. So I wanted to talk about this subject for a little bit because I know why some people could some people are going to say, oh, well, there's so many other issues that we could talk about or whatever, but it is an issue, and it, or I don't say an issue, but it is a topic um, because with her coming out or with Ruth coming out and now is, is living, living her life as Caitlyn Jenner, um, that has sparked a lot, you know, within not only our community but the trans community. So we're going to talk about this um, sometimes taboo uh, topic, and um, we're going to go with it. So each one of my guests here on the line, you know, they're well aware because none of them hide up on the rock, so they know what's going on. Um, so they, of course, know what, what's going on with Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. Um, and, of course, you will hear me talk about, you will hear me say Bruce and you will hear me say Caitlyn because, you know, sometimes when we talk about the past, we have to, I have to say Bruce because, see, he wasn't Caitlyn then. He's, he's Caitlyn now. So it's no disrespect um, to anyone out there or even to, um, to, to now Caitlyn Jenner. But my question, and anyone can, can, can chime in or, or start, but what, Initially, like, when you heard about it, you know, what did you, like, what was your initial reaction? Like, how did you feel about a 65-year-old man um, now coming out and saying, hey, you know, I've been living, you know, this lie, or I've been uncomfortable, or I've been stuck, and now I want to live my, my truth. Like, initially, when you first heard it, what did you guys, what did you guys think about that? Uh, well, for me personally, the, when I initially heard it, I was confused, extremely confused, simply because it came out of nowhere for me because I love the Kardashians, but I don't really follow the show Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. So it, I really wasn't aware of too much about Bruce aside from his history. But when I watched the interview, the interview is what actually completely won me over. The interview was exceptionally raw for me because mm-hmm. it was something that I personally could relate to. So at that particular point in time, any hesitation that I had to just accept Caitlin living in her truth was completely washed away. Okay. So so at first, so at first uh, Angelique, you were confused a little bit, but then um, once you actually saw the interview, it kind of basically, I kind of woke you up and, and, and you re- finally realized what was what. You know, you kind of got the gist of what was really going on at that point. Right, because the reason I was so confused is because being transgender, I could not imagine what that must have felt like mm-hmm. or what that has taken for you to deny yourself of being who you are for so long, which mm-hmm. is why I was confused to me, not because I was just, okay, this is a Kardashian spin or they're trying to make money, but it was just mm-hmm. how you potentially live 60-plus years mm-hmm. and just deny yourself of being who you really feel you are. I couldn't imagine living that. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, it, it, one of my guys, Del Rio, Jamal, Cam. Okay, well, I'll I'll say this. For me, um, I'm kind of with Angelique. I would say that the interview kind of won me over. I'm not really one of those people who's ever kind of really concerned about what's going on in someone else's life. So for me, it kind of didn't matter either way it went. But I can say this, that whatever, I'm all for whatever better 
whatever a person thinks make them a better person, whatever they feel is their truth, I'm all for I'm all for that like one hundred percent. So if this man feel like this who he is, who are we to tell him that it's not? Who are we him a judge who are we to judge that? And so I'm just like, you know, go Caitlin. Hey, I support it. If you love it, I if you like it, I love it and I'm with it. And you know, I'm not gonna tell anybody to live a lie. And if he right. felt like it was a lie, I'm glad he can embrace himself now. I'm glad that his family is really embracing him because that's the most beautiful part of it all to me is the support that he's getting from his loved one without right. judgment. Even though some may have had hesitation at first, the fact that they're truly supporting him to the end with no judgment, and, hey, at the end of the day, he is looking like a Kardashian, in my opinion, you know, to be an almost 70-year-old woman. Right. You know what 70-year-old woman, white woman, you know look like that. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, kudos. Kudos to him and kudos to the family. I like that. All right, Jamal, uh, Dario. I, I, I concur with Cam. Okay. So there really is much I have. Uh, Caitlin, uh, you know, she's living her truth. You know, I'm mm-hmm. always happy for people who live their truth. Mm-hmm. There's not much. I guess because we live in the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. somebody coming out as trans isn't as um shocking. somebody like Yeah, it's not it's not as shocking. Right. It's more like, Oh, I'm so happy for you. You're living your truth now. Like, I'm so happy. Right. Well you guys may not have much to say right now, but uh I'm gonna open this up a little because um and Dario, did you have any um words that you want to, to input before I continue on? I was just gonna say, Micah, that uh unlike you know the our other three panelists. I was uh, erroneously uh, frustrated when I first heard it because of I don't know my slant on it was uh, kind of you know kind of wrong. I had the wrong perspective of what was going on until I talked uh, to a few uh, trans women and they enlightened me and and I was like you know what yeah you know I get this. You know, and, and and I think where I was coming from was more of from the social aspect where this person is sixty five years old. This is and and mm-hmm. you know you you know with me everything is political. So this is a sixty five year old white Republican coming out, and we just jumped and embraced and heralded this person, and we have countless you know names and countless. Uh, 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 personalities and people who some who are nameless that mm-hmm. who have given their lives for you know this cause and we you know we 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 look at that and we say hello goodbye you know if they if they lost their lives uh, you know in some type of violence we you know we 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 celebrate their lives give them some type of commemoration for a, a week. Some some of them for a day, and then we forget about it. But then we have this person who you know, who has this money, who has this you know these resources, and can you know access these certain things. And you know we're heralding this person, and that was my slant mm-hmm. at first. But mm-hmm. after I heard this uh, this supplemental interview, this last interview or statement that was put out, it cooled me a little bit, it calmed me a little bit, and then like I said. Speaking with a few trans women, uh, you know, helped with that statement, just kind of explained some things to me. So I'm all on board. I'm like, go, Caitlin, do this. Okay. Okay. 
All right. So I, I love I love what you had to say, uh, Del Rio. Um, I understand, you know, because it seemed like everybody was jumping on Caitlyn's bandwagon, and um, I, I, you know, I saw a lot of um, trans women kind of, you know, were kind of indi- were they were feeling indifferent, or, or they didn't they they were praising, okay, girl, you look good and all that, but they felt like, okay, why is everybody just jumping up for Caitlyn? Like you said, we have we've lost many trans women within our community. This, that, and other has happened, and we're not celebrating them, but we're celebrating this this person who lived their life as a right. man for 60-odd years, and then you turn around and your woman's like, oh, my God, Kayla, you're 60. I'm not. Now, she is. Now, Kayla is the cover of my Facebook page only because I think the cover is 60. But um, I totally still get what you're saying, you know, that we still must celebrate our trans women that are here. We must celebrate and honor those that have that passed on. Um, be that from, you know, um, horrific accidents or I don't want to say accidents, I would say horrific situations in regards to, like, tragic, you know, getting um, killed and, and things of that nature, we should still honor all of them and not just hold Caitlin to this, thir- you know, on this platform. And I'll talk about that a little bit in, in a little bit because Mike, I, I, can I say I, – I, I, oh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I want to add a rebuttal to that too because I feel like it's kind of a catch-22 also. And it's like not to compare it to the civil rights movement or any kind of other movement at all, but we all have to be mindful that any movement is great once it gets a platform to be seen. And it's like although all these people may have came before him and all that, Mm -hmm. unfortunately or fortunately enough for him, he's the one that's giving it a platform to be seen worldwide. So don't hate the man because he just so happened to be in that spotlight and on that platform to give it the attention that everybody else always wanted the issue to get in the first place. And I kind of found it saddening that so many of the transgender, so many people in the transgender community came out mm-hmm. like, well, I've been doing this for years, and I've been doing this for, yeah, kudos to you too, but unfortunately you didn't have that platform. This man just brought y'all subject and y'all awareness to a whole nother level. So stand behind him instead of saying, well, I did it first. You know, that's the part of the whole thing that I didn't get, and I feel like it's it's unfair to Caitlin also. I completely agree with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Reason being is because I saw the same thing that you all saw. So many trans women were this, so many trans women were we've been there, we've done that, and so many people were looking at it from a white privilege perspective and a celebrity perspective. Mm -hmm. But what Mm -hmm. I think we all had to keep in mind was exactly what you said. Caitlin had access to a platform, and what Caitlin did with that platform was made mainstream America and the world see transgender as something else other than some type of sexual deviant or perversion Mm -hmm. or whatever the stereotypes may have been. Because Mm -hmm. what you have, previously you had Bruce, who was exceptionally respected, held in high regard. So I think it made people think if Bruce Jenner is a part of this community, maybe all of them are not so bad. I think it made people <laughs> differently see more of a spectrum of transgender people as opposed to what they stereotypically think we are. Okay. Right. All right. Right. I have a rebuttal to all of that, but I'm not going to say it just yet <laughs> because I, I want I want to uh, I want to play. I was fumbling around on YouTube last night, and I um, I ran into this uh, site, or not, it wasn't a site, but this uh, radio uh, personality, uh, he interviews different people, and it looks like he interviews a lot of people in hip-hop. 
So he interviewed um, this young man who I never, I've never known, I've never heard any music or anything like. Maybe you guys have, but his name is Lord Lord Jamar. He's a rapper and he's an actor based out of New York. And he was asked asked about the Bruce Caitlin transition, the whole coming out story. So I'm going to play it for you all. Okay, I'm gonna play it for you all and the listening audience, and then we're gonna pick up where we left off. But I, I'm, it's, it's very, it was very interesting to hear from a heterosexual male because you know we all are in the LGBTQ community. But it was interesting to hear what a heterosexual male, from his perspective, um, had to say about the whole transition. So, so hold for me, guys. I, I definitely want you to listen to it. It's about four minutes long, so hold on. So let's go ahead and start with Bruce Jenner. All right. You saw the special. I saw parts of it, like maybe a little bit in the beginning, and at some point I had to stop watching because it seemed like a, a commercial for transgender people. So I was like, "Fuck this!" Right, because they incorporated other, you know, transgenders mm-hmm. into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they incorporated uh, his family, you know, both his previous family, you know, his wa- previous wives and his his young his older kids as well as. The Kardashians and so forth, right? Um, but it definitely was a pro transgender type of special. I believe right. it was like two hours, right? I watched the whole thing, right? See, I wasn't going to sit for that much reprogramming of my mind. You know what I mean? Well, what was your overall take of it? My overall take is that this is all ridiculous, basically. Like the fact that this is big news. The fact that this would even be the first thing that you asked me right now. It was big news. When we have earthquakes in Nepal and, you know, riots in Baltimore and shit like that. But but this motherfucker deciding to come out because he feels like he's a woman. Mm-hmm. And he's felt this way for, you know... A long time, says he. Decades. That this is somehow big news. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about feelings for a minute. Feelings are something that come from outside stimuli. If I slowly turn the, the temperature down in this room, you're going to get cold. When I turn it up, you're going to get hot. Now, in your mind, when I turn the temperature down, you might get the bright idea, let me put on a sweater. Do you think that was really your idea, or did I influence that idea mm-hmm. by the, the temperature, the environment that I put you in? Now, some people are going to get colder before other people. Some people are going to go for that sweater before another person because you're cold to me and you could be different. So you may now, heat goes up, now you want to take your clothes off. Mm -hmm. You feel, you feel that these ideas were organic to you. I came up with the idea that I wanted to take my clothes off because I've always felt hot since I was a little kid. People who feel that they are a certain gender and all the and all that type of yeah they may feel that they very very well may feel that way but why do you feel that way 
it don't they try to act like it's something organic to them mm-hmm. and that I'm special and I, you know cuz they almost use it as if they're special. I'm special. I'm different than everybody else and I happen to be even though I'm born as a man inside and he said my soul where where are they now dealing with souls and stuff like that? Like, you never hear these people talk anything about any type of spirituality. Now, to justify your mentality, you want to start talking about souls and shit like that, too. That's some other bullshit, but that's a whole next topic. Um, but where, do you, where are your feelings coming from? These are things that are coming from outside of you. Feelings. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me about your fucking feelings. When your feelings are not really you. They're not really, they're not just organic. They're not just there. Like people just act like shit is just real haphazard in the world. There's a reason for everything. And a lot of times it's not just one thing. It could be multiple things. What kind of relationship did you have with your father, Bruce? You see, there's a lot of things that go into this. It's all psychological, but they try to act like, this is just another way to be as a human being, and I say that's bullshit. It's not just another way to be. This is obviously a sickness. All right. So are we all are we all here? Oh yeah. Okay. Thank so that was turning that off. Thank you. <laughs> that was a little. That was a little brutal. Um, I would have loved to to do a face to face with him. Yeah, but it was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was total bullshit. He was he was talking himself in circles. Like he was how, can you, himself in how circles can you compare? How can you compare? Go ahead, go ahead, Cam. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, how can you truly compare um, uh, physiological or these biological, uh, tangible feelings, things that we feel like cold and hot, and and things of that nature? to something that is innate, something that is internal. You can't con- con- compare those two things. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, and, and, and then you take this dogmatic approach about it that, that, of course, makes any rational ear close immediately to your mouth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was like a conversation that you're not going to make people want to listen to. And right. then furthermore, you're contradicting what you're trying to say in your own statement. Because the exactly. more you talk about how somebody feels, no, the way you feel about the issue comes from the world that you are around. So there what you makes know. you think there your feelings you is any more erratical than how you feel Caitlin's feelings is? Where he's getting mixed up is his feelings and what's innate within us. Right. Cam, that's I'm coming to your church. I'm coming to your church. You know, that's something church. that we can't control. And I'm like, you big idiot, you're contradicting your damn self because you're getting your feelings mixed up with the issue at hand. Right, right. But you know, that you can't expect people to really look outside their own environment and that environment that taught to taught them how to feel the way that they are feeling already. And many people can't look mm-hmm. past what they feel to go with what they know and what they know innately. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can't pay and the, like and, and, that's just my and the default and the default the default argument and this is not just for the transgender community, it's for the LGBT community. The the default argument is always that 
there were no there was no father present. I am so sick of that argument. Like when I tell you sick of it, like it is it it's sickening to the stomach to hear someone say that 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 has so so first of all I, I'm I'm not gonna go there because I, I can go on another tangent. Go ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. Oh no, that was, I was, that go, was Jamal. <laughs> oh, Jamal. Go ahead, go ahead, Jamal. Because I was gonna. Go no, I, go I, I, just, I was just I was just giving you a little um, ad lib to your sermon. I was saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to stop because then I'll go into you know you know, social, economic, and then go into education I mean, and nature. Which I mean, you could talk about my situation where my mother has disowned me and I haven't spoken to her in now 12 years, and my father is my closest and biggest support. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> where is the logic in, 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 in what you say now with the father situation? Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah and, 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 and my thing, okay, so... You know, when I, when he was saying all this stuff, because I didn't even listen to the whole the whole thing, I stopped it like, okay, I think I want to use that part. And, 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 no, I couldn't. But um, <laughs> I look at it like, okay, he looks like he's very. I mean, when you look at the guy, I send you guys the link or whatever so you can see it. But like, um, like he looks like a just a regular, you know, New York, you know, type of guy, whatever, you know, real, you know, just real masculine, all that good stuff, you know. And one of the girls, exactly, one of the girls. <laughs> crazy. But I look at it like, okay, he's one of those ones that will probably say, well, you don't know what it is to be black. You know, he may tell somebody that's white or Puerto Rican or whatever. He's like, you don't know what it is to be black. You don't know what I've been through in life because I've been a black guy. When I walk the streets of New York, you know, I look at a certain way. You know, the ladies hold their pocketbooks, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So he needs to take that and look at it from a from you know a trans, whether it be a trans man or a trans woman or or, or someone who's even just gay, like. You just like they can't really relate to you being a being black because they're not black. You know, you you have to understand right. that because you can't. You know, they can't relate to you. You can't relate to Bruce. You can't relate to Caitlyn. You can't relate to me because you're not that. But you can't have such a an attitude almost. And so so dismissive about the things because those are the men that I'm that I'm skeptical about anyway. You know, you you but you, you, you go ahead. It is scientifically proven that homophobic men or anyone that have homophobic tendencies are innately gay or have gay tendencies So because they don't want to relate. So they don't want to put themselves outside of themselves to relate to you because they already know what, what's within them. That not, knowing, not, knowing psychologically that, proven. not knowing that because you are so against What's going on? And you, you so, uh, you know, uh, you know those ones that, uh, I can't stand, uh, but like, you need to be worried about you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just worry about you and what you're doing because because you keep saying having these side remarks about my sexuality, the way that I look as a trans woman or a trans man or whatever the case may be. You're you're just mad because you're not able to live in your truth and live free. You know that's something that I've that I've always. You know, even becoming a, a gay male and coming into it, you know, with the guys that would say little stuff along the years or to my friends, it's like, baby, don't even pay them no attention because they want to be you. They're scared that they can't live their truth and really be who they are because, you know, you, you, you're you basically doing whatever you want to do and they, and they can't do it because of how they were raised and that maybe they, they were going to be shunned in their community because if they were, you know, a, a gay male or, or, or out or closeted or whatever. Um, so that, that's hey, Michael, can I, yeah. 
can can I say something? Uh, this is just something short to the, the previous topic because uh, Cam was saying, uh, you know, with, with I like what Cam was saying about uh, Bruce and you know coming out and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. The thing that really turned me around about this whole situation, uh, someone someone told me uh, use that phrase when you're pointing one finger at the next person three pointing back at you, mm-hmm. and I had to realize that it took me to 28 years old to realize that this is this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is not something I want to do. And, you know, I always say that, Micah, that the difference between a very secure and confident gay male, a uh, lesbian woman or a transgender woman or man is that we view ourselves when it comes to our sexuality as something that that we view our sexuality as something, you know, this is who we are, not what we do. The world defines us by what we do. They, what they we look do, at right. us as, uh, like Angelique was mm-hmm. saying, like sexual deviance and things oh, yeah. of that nature. But it mm-hmm. took me to 28 to come out and to realize this is who you are, Del Rio. And so that slap back in my face made me realize that, hey, give people time. You have to give people time. You have to give you know, taking time to 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 come into her own, and then be able to turn around and say, you know what, the rest of you guys, hold on to my coattail, let's walk. You understand what I'm saying? You got to give people time to get to that point because I would have I, I would have never been where I am as far as my activism for the LGBT community. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am had people not given me time to come out and, you know, uh, allow myself to, to, to learn and educate myself about this community and learn and educate myself about myself. So now I fully understand and I'm fully supportive now. And let me just add to um, what the guy was saying in regards to relationships with your father. I remember growing up, I detested my father simply because he was trying his best to make a man out of me because he saw what was coming. Now, he may not have necessarily thought I would evolve into Angelique, but he was trying his best to get all the femininity out of me. And my mother was always my backbone who I could go to, and she would shoo my father away from what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Now in my adulthood, Both of my parents are still together. They have been all my life, and they're still in my life. However, my father and I are closer, and my mother actually does not really care for Angelique. My father refers to me with female pronouns. He refers Mm. to me as Angelique. My mother does not. Due to her Mm. strong, deep South Christian religious beliefs, she refuses to embrace Angelique. Mm. She still refers to me as Howard. It's still son, it's still he, it's still this. My father does not do that. So I don't necessarily think that anyone who's using that argument of where was your father, no. It's just a case-by-case situation because you would have never taken me to believe that he would be the one who accepted me. Right. And I want to add, too, with my parentals, I grew with, my, of course, my mother and my stepfather. And I, to this day, have the principle of, well, believe in the principality of, if you don't want to be what's going on in my bedroom, don't worry about what's going on in my bedroom. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because my parents, the signs were there when I was younger, growing up. I probably was way more feminine then than I, even, than I am now, and I'm not even considered to be really too much feminine now. 
but they never came to me about trying to make me lean towards one side or the other, trying to force me to have girlfriends, trying to find out if I was gay. It was always just, we trust you to make the best decisions that you're going to make with your life because we raised you that way. And so even now, the question everybody in my family knows about my sexuality, but it is not a topic of conversation. Don't nobody come to me asking me about a boyfriend or a girlfriend or when I'm going to have a baby. It's just they respect me for who I am. And that led me to the phrase of, I think I should patent it, and I'll say people get it confused because sexuality is an action. It's not an identity. And we shouldn't be concerned with each other's actions in each other's bedrooms if we're not wanting to be a part of that action in the bedroom. Exactly. Yeah, I um some tidbits that, and I appreciate that, Cam. I appreciate all of your responses. Um, some things that you know, I think that people need to, cause, because as, as we get older, when I say older, well, yeah, as we get older and the world evolves, and, and you know, certain studies are, are being done, we learn new terminology, new terms, this, that, and the other. But I think sometimes we have to break it down for those that are still kind of like you know, blind or green to a lot of things. And so Cameron kind of pointed out the whole, you know, the act and, and the difference between and all that good stuff. So I want to kind of give people definitions just really quickly in regards to um, since we're on the trans, you know, trans issue, and then I have something else I need to say about um, I want to ask you guys about, and then I have one other clip. It's like a minute and a half. Um, that's a really good question, and I, it's, it's probably going to stem from, What's going to really, from what I'm about to say, is going to kind of lead into that um, to that uh, audio. But sex is a person's biological status. Gender refers to the attitudes, feelings, and behaviors that a given culture associates with a, per- a person's biological sex. Gender identity refers to one's sense of self as a male, female, or transgender, you know, man or woman. And then sexual orientation refers to the sex of those to whom one is sexually and romantically attracted. So, I mean, and Anjali can tell you, I'm sure, you know, there are so many other definitions for it. I mean, you got the cisgenders and, you know, cis women. You got all these different things out there that, I mean, I, I think I talked about on my show before. Like, I went to the trans health conference. I hate that I missed it this year, but I went last year um, to the, 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 the annual trans health conference in Philadelphia and. Like, I was amazed at what, you know, transgender to maybe the South and the Southeast and, you know, a little bit of the North, like, it's really not what you, what, what people think it is because you can look and you can see somebody that says, oh, they identify as transgender, and the immediate thing that a lot of younger people are thinking is like, oh, you got to be with the boobs and you got to have the hips and you got to, you got to look like that of a woman when, honestly, it really is not about that. You know, so it's so much more that, that we have to learn and that the world needs to learn in regards to, to, to statuses and, and definitions and, and all of those things. But I, I wanted to, um, I guess I'll go ahead and play this first, and then I'll go back to, to my um, question that I had about Miss um, Chris Jenner and Caitlin, and then we'll move forward. So I want to um, play this clip, and I don't know if any of you out there and also my panel that look at the, or listen to or watch The Breakfast Club, that's based in New York. I do. And, um, you know, they have Angelique, Charlemagne the God, and all of them on there. And Charlemagne was interviewed by the same people, and I will point them out. It's bladtv.com. And um, they were interviewed, and he asked, well, he was interviewed, and he was asked something about Caitlyn. And I love Charlemagne the God. So um, he, he brought something up, and I want to see what your guys' response is to it. So hold on for me. 
Bruce Jenner. Did you watch the interview? I watched the hour of it, and then I got uh, disgusted, and, and uh, I fucking turned it off. And the reason I got disgusted because I felt like my intelligence was being insulted. And the reason I felt like my intelligence was being insulted because I'm watching the interview, Bruce Jenner says, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a woman. And I said, dope, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm going to give you the respect you deserve and, and, and address you as a woman. So then he goes, I'm heterosexual. So I'm thinking in my mind, all right, he's a heterosexual woman, so he sleeps with men. But then he goes, um, he sleeps with women. He sleeps with women. So I tweet out, well, Bruce, you're not a heterosexual. You're a lesbian. My whole timeline goes crazy. Fuck you, you transphobic, ignorant motherfucker. Don't know what the fuck you talking about. Transgender don't mean gay. I'm like, whoa. What the fuck? And then what was Diane Sawyer's next question, literally? So are you a lesbian? So is Diane Sawyer transphobic for asking a common sense question? My whole life I've been taught that if a woman sleeps with a woman, that makes that woman a lesbian. So if you're telling me that Bruce is not a lesbian, but he's heterosexual, then you're acknowledging that Bruce isn't even really what? A woman. So why are we even having a special? So being that I felt like my intelligence was being insulted and I started to get confused and nobody, you know, in the transgender community wanted to actually uh, have a conversation. They just wanted to attack, attack, attack because for whatever reason they felt like, you know, I was attacking, which I wasn't. I'm just, it's a genuine question, a uh, genuine statement. Maybe I should have asked the question. Maybe I should have do what Diane Sawyer said and said. So if he's not heterosexual, does that mean he's a lesbian? But I didn't. I made a statement because that's just my common sense. Okay, so he did he, he did bring up, Charlemagne did bring up or brought up a good question, kind of makes people think, um, or a good point. Um, should, and I'll let, I'll let Angelique uh, answer this. Charlemagne is an asshole. But um, should uh, Caitlin be referred to as a lesbian? Now, again, as stated in the interview with Diane, Caitlin is a trans woman now who is still attracted to women. So, and at this point, from as far as I know, has no desires to be with a man. So the question is, should, mm-hmm. she, should she be considered a lesbian, or what should she be considered, or should she be considered anything? Well, in my personal opinion, I would think she shouldn't be considered anything. And the reason okay. why I say that is because Caitlin is just now coming into her own. All these years, he has been trying his best to live his life as Bruce, adapt to living his life as Bruce, and suppress everything that pretty much was Caitlyn. So mm-hmm. now that he's actually walking in the skin of Caitlyn, there's no telling who Caitlyn is going to evolve into. Mm-hmm. Caitlyn may still be attracted to women. Caitlyn may still date women. Caitlyn may meet the right man and realize she's been denying herself her entire life. But what I think people get so caught up on is once they find out you're transgendered, two things, pre-op or post-op, because they want to know what's between your legs, and the next thing is who is in your bed. And Mm -hmm. that is not what identifies or what defines you as being transgender, just like it doesn't define you as being homosexual or heterosexual. We're all in two different things. So I don't think her sexuality should even really be the story right now because mm-hmm. she's still discovering herself. Now, yeah. I will admit in my youth, I probably would have 
read, Caitlin, honestly, because in my youth I was, <laughs> although I may have been intelligent, I was extremely ignorant about right. a lot of things in our community, just like when I initially came out, when I was just a butch queen. In my head, there was a top and there was a bottom. Someone yeah. was feminine, someone was masculine. Mm-hmm. Then when I started going to the gay clubs, I started seeing two masculine men together, and I was like, well, wait a minute, that's not how this is supposed to work. And then I started seeing two feminine guys together, and I was like, well, no, that's some bullshit. And Mm -hmm. then I started seeing transgenders dating each other. I started Mm -hmm. seeing transgenders dating lesbians and transgenders dating butch queens. And I had to evolve and learn that it's really not my business. It's their Mm -hmm. business and that everyone is different. No one fits inside of a particular box. And I think that's what we try to do once they find out you're heterosexual, you like a certain type of woman or a certain type of man when you're gay, you like a certain this. But I just think we all need to stop trying to generalize and classify every single detail about a person. She's mm-hmm. transgendered. That's what we need to know. Okay. I respect that. So let, let me um, let me ask you guys. Um, about this, um, you know, some have said and that they believe that the entire, you know, Diane Sawyer interview, um, the plane of Brody Jenner's music, Brody is Bruce's or now Caitlyn's son. Um, so the so the Diane Sawyer interview, the plane of Brody Jenner's music throughout the interview that was on um, ABC, um, the ABC promotion of their new show that's going to be debuting called um, Becoming Us which is about a father trans, trans, uh, transitioning, yes, just like Bruce. I love it. Um, the two-part special on E! with Bruce making his final bow before transitioning, and the new docu-series or reality series, I Am Kate, which is going to be debuting on July 26th. People um, have been saying that they feel like this is all now a marketing plan created by Chris Jenner to make lots of money off of Kate's transition. Now, before y'all go off <laughs> and say what y'all want to say in regards to that, like, okay, so like Angelique said, she is really not a uh, Kardashian. She hasn't really been watching the Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but she knows who they are, all this kind of stuff, like them, all that good stuff. Okay, well, I'm not going to say I'm a fan, but I watch the show, and I've been watching for quite some time. So then I look at, well, is this true? Is this Does this statement have some type of truth to it? Because... If you ever if you've ever watched the show or the last few seasons or the, or the last I'll say four seasons, like Bruce was always the person in the back. Now it could be because of what he was going through and struggling with, but he was always the person that was in the back. Didn't want the, the limelight shined on him, you know. Um, he was very much just you know doing his own thing. He really didn't too much live into that whole hype of you know the Kardashians. So then it's like, well, once you came out to your family, you came out to Chris, she did what she, you know, they taped it all and all that kind of stuff. So now is it like, I wonder, I'm just wondering, did, does Chris have, you know, I'm sure she got some dealings with it all or whatever, but, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, did you kind of push this a little bit more than, you know, because you knew that this was going to be like a moneymaker? Because now, baby, Caitlin is everywhere. She got series and she got shows and all this kind of stuff coming out. So I'm just like, do you think there is some truth to it, or do you think that's just... Of course she did. What, this is what I will say. Of course she did. Um, now, from what I know of the Kardashians, because I may not watch the show, but I do read a lot, mm-hmm. and I do know that Chris Jenner is a marketing genius, 
Mm-hmm. And that Chris Jenner is a money machine. <laughs> so I will say, do I think Chris Jenner is pulling puppet strings? 100% yes. But okay. I also say I find nothing wrong with that. Reason being, multiple transgenders have used their transition to make money. Even mm-hmm. the showgirls and the pageant girls. As soon as you go from a drag queen and you get your boy bent filled in, you're on the show doing the magic number. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to use your transition to make money. This was going to happen regardless. If it was not the Kardashians making money off of it, mm-hmm. the media was going to run with it anyway. So why not get ahead of it, grab the bull by the horns, and we make the money from the transition instead of allowing all these other outside entities to profit off of us? That's just how I feel about it. That's a, that's a good feeling. And that's what they do. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good what feeling. the Kardashians do. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what they do. The second thing that's coming out, hey, boom, we on it right before anything is coming out, boom, we on it, we got it. it they're, they're just marketing geniuses with no talent, except for Bruce really does have talent, but they're marketing geniuses with no talent. And when you have no talent, you have to make money somehow, so boom, let's get ahead of it before the media does. Exactly. And be- before I close this Chris Jenner thing and we move over to um a, to our next subject, I want to um I- I'm going to say this um and I may get flat for saying it, but you know it is what it is. It's my opinion, baby. You know you can't you can't you can't check me of my opinion. Um, but number one, you know I do support Caitlyn Jenner on living her truth. You know and finally finally living free and most of all happy. But here's where I ask the question, or I get a little confused. Um, you know, Caitlyn, of all the years, you know, you've been a part of the, the, the Kardashian empire, getting tongue-tied. Not once have I seen you, not, now I'm just saying, not once have I seen you, you know, attend Pride, you know, show your face towards causes that affect the LGBTQ community, you know, been an advocate as the then heterosexual male. So now while I love you for who you've become, you know, I now question your agenda, you know, as it relates to now being a part of the LGBTQ community, you know, the T stands for trans, you know, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. Now, I may be the only one on this line that feels that way, but it is what it is, you know, but I would rather much it come across as authentic, you know, than attempting to appease the trans community or make your struggle the struggle for or of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it just came out today, you know, that Caitlin is, is about to start writing a weekly column on LGBT issues. Now, for me, it's like, baby, come on now. You got to crawl before you walk. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're jumping in. You're starting to be an advocate. And I, because, again, we go back to the platform that Cameron and all you guys are talking about, and that's great. But I think, you you know, you've got to slow down. Because when I start seeing her all, at all these prizes, I'm like, hold up, baby. Come on. Wait a minute. You know, and I'm not. Well, I, well, I do. I definitely receive what you're saying, Micah. But I also think this is a catch-22 situation for Caitlyn. Mm-hmm. Also, because of the platform that she has, if she was not doing it, she mm-hmm. would be criticized for not doing it as well. Mm-hmm. So I really think this is a no-win situation for. So I do right. she was probably advised to take the lesser of two evils, which would be to jump mm-hmm. on it and run with it, as yeah. opposed to steering clear of the trans community. And the gay community. I would see that. I would see that. And also my thing is, to me, it's kind of pretty cut and dry. Bruce wasn't that guy. Bruce wasn't 
right. a rainbow flag waving proud LGBT community person. He wasn't that guy. I mean, he put that out already. We got an understanding of Bruce Hills. He thought he was a family man, this athletic hero who was the face of America flag for at one point. You know, that wasn't him. So I can't blame him because he didn't do it then because that's that wasn't who he was. Exactly. I, and, and I'm okay with him being a part. I just say you need to crawl before you walk. That's all I'm saying. So with right. That, right. And hopefully right. he gets a ghostwriter. Because, because for me, it's, you're, going, you're going too fast. You, now you're going to write about LGBTQ issues. Baby, hold up. Now, I know you have some issues. But you don't know the first thing about my struggle. Baby, like I said, crawl before you walk. <laughs> but, um, Caitlin, if you ever hear this, <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> that I wish you much success. As you continue to take your journey, we're just having a conversation into womanhood. And I uh, I want you guys to um, that are out there and, and the ones that are on the line today, um, on next week on the SB Awards on ESPN, Caitlin will receive the Arthur Ashe Courage Award on July 15th for being, being brave and coming out as uh, you know, an athlete who's now transgender. And remember that IMK airs on E starting July 26th, Okay. So to my panel, we're going to take just a short, I mean a very short, quick break. And when we come back, we're going to take a deep dive into the Supreme Court ruling of marriage equality. So guys, hold the line for me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales with your beauty tip of the day. This goes out to all the gentlemen out there. It is important to exfoliate your skin two to three times a week. You can use a mild soap or a cleansing brush. By doing this, you will remove the... Hi, everyone, and welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales with your beauty tip of the day. This goes out to all the gentlemen out there. It is important to exfoliate your skin two to three times a week. You can use a mild soap or a cleansing brush. By doing this, you will remove the dead skin, minimize the size of your pores, and remove any dark spots on the skin resulting from sun damage, acne scars, or even age spots. It will even minimize fine lines and wrinkles. Your skin will look years younger. I guarantee it. Thanks again for joining us for another segment of Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. This is Joelle Canales. Until next time. All right, thank you, Joel, and I don't know why it started over, but anyway, we are back, and so what we're going to do now is going to take, go ahead and take a deep dive into the Supreme Court ruling on marriage equality, and I'm sure that um, you guys have something to say about that. But uh, as everyone should know, on June 26th um, of this year, the Supreme Court um, ruled in favor of marriage equality, you know, the right for any same-sex couples, men or women, to have the right to marry in any state legally here in the United States. Um, you know, this has been a long time coming, you know, for the LGBT community. And finally, those, those who believe in marriage who are of the community now have the right everywhere and not just in selected states. So let's talk about the ruckus that happened, you know, via social media. You know, while I expect, not I spoke to some of you guys about this, but while I expect it for some or most hetero, heterosexuals, you know, to drop their two cents in in regards to their feelings behind the marriage equality ruling. You know, I personally, on my timeline, on Facebook and other social media, like, I witnessed much disgust, you know, within our own community. You know, to me, it seemed like there was like a 50-50 split. 
you know, a maybe like, or probably even a a 60-40 split among the gay community. You know, while there should have been like, just from my timeline, while there should have been like much praise about the struggle that was finally overcome, you know, ironically, it looked like a lot of young gay men and women um, were joking and making statuses about the divorce rate going up and how many of the gay men specifically were just going to, you know, go ahead and get married for the hell of it and get divorced. So to my panel... Um, you know, that's a great thing that we have, you know, marriage equality, but how do you how did you first feel about the ruling that took place? Like when they finally said, Hey, we got that right, you know, what was your um what was your immediate reaction and, and then what was your or what are your thoughts in regards to those that are within our community um that had such negative things to say about the ruling or the fact that we now have the right to marry? And anyone can go. They need to have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they seriously have to see, as a matter of fact, walk into an empty stadium and have the entire stadium. It's not for me about if you believe in something or not. It's simply who are you to deny someone else the right to. And that's just any any common right. Marriage has been around since prehistoric times. It predates Christianity. It transcends all religions, and in this country, if we have a separation of church and state, why is it even an issue? Mm-hmm. You better preach. And what I want to add to that is that this is my main issue with people who bring God into it, people who say they don't believe in marriage, for whatever reasons. My thing is, yes, a piece of paper cannot define your love for another individual. True enough. However, in the United States and most other parts of the world, that paper said that piece of paper says that you have certain rights to your partner. It says exactly. that you have a, a certain type of power of attorney. It says that mm-hmm. you're entitled to make executive decisions. These are the things that are important that comes along with that piece of paper since we institutionalize it. So yes, it's about more than just that union. Yes, it doesn't define love. It doesn't. Yes, it, it for some people it places boundaries that don't need to be there, but it does so much more also. And this is what we made legal in this country, and that's the purpose behind. If we say this is what this couple is in, entitled to because they have this piece of paper, then everybody deserves the same opportunity to have that same piece of paper that enables them to those same rights. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Dario, you have nothing. <laughs> I'm agreeing. Dario. Oh, you're agreeing. Okay. I, no, I, I I agree. I think like my my big my biggest thing. I mean, I've been following this from the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at uh, watching uh, oral arguments from the Supreme Court. We're not watching them, but you know, getting the reports as CNN, Fox, MSNBC report those things, uh, and seeing uh, what side of history uh, uh, are these individual justices on. And uh, so the whole time I, I had full faith that it would, uh, that, that the Supreme Court would, would strike down these bans. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had full faith in this Supreme Court, honestly. Uh, I saw the way, you know, Chief Justice, and I'm just coming from a law perspective right now, I saw the way Chief Justice Roberts uh, uh, wrote the last opinion uh, about it. And, and, and I knew that it was a possibility that it was going to go, you know, in this direction. Um I think the, my biggest issue with it is the way the way the plaintiffs, I think, uh, and the way some of us in the community, the way we uh, 
contextualize it and the terminology we ascribe to it. So instead of us using and getting society in this uh, in this uh, routine of seeing marriage equality or marriage, we keep seeing gay marriage, gay marriage, gay marriage, gay gay marriage. And what we do is we we what we do is which that's what it is. But what we do is we we to to society, which a lot of them have you know those those who are. Uh, Without the community, they have uh, a lot of them have the power to say yes or no, and so when we when we when we use that type of terminology, gay marriage, gay marriage, it I think it puts levels on where we are versus where heterosexuals are, and I think if we would just go, uh, you know, along with marriage equality because that's what the fight is for. It's not. For gays to be married, it's just a fight for the equal for equality in marriage, regardless of who you are, handicapped, black, white, gay, lesbian, it doesn't matter who you are. It's just a fight for equality. And I think when we permit gay gay marriage, sometimes we we you know we put ourselves in the crosshairs and in you know in these uh, these predicaments where we have to then we have to then. Uh, defend who we are as gay people, and then it goes down this road, this, this you know, uh, slippery slope that we don't really want to discuss, or we we don't really have to discuss because mm-hmm. it's crazy to start talking about who I am as a gay man, and all I'm all I want to talk about is marriage equality. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think you know, just just the way we contextualize it, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, it, and even for the plaintiffs, I think the way they contextualize sometimes made it. Uh, more of a struggle, but I think God, we got it, and, and you know we we are where we are. Okay, so I would have to go back to something that um, Cam was saying in regards mm-hmm. to rights. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, but there's a case in Texas where a post-operative transsexual who was married to a firefighter here in Texas, he died on the job, unfortunately, and his benefits and his will, he basically left his entire estate. To her, mm-hmm. he had a previous marriage of which he had children, and the previous wife contested his will. And due to the fact that in Texas, marriage was defined as a man and a woman, and Texas recognizes gender based upon your birth certificate, they null and voided his will and gave his entire estate to the first wife. Because oh, technically, wow. in the eyes of Texas, she was still a man, although she was post-operative. So it goes way beyond just defining love, as Cam was saying. It's about recognizing love mm-hmm. and also giving each other the rights to the person you have decided to commit your life to. Wow! Wow! I got to look at that. That and, and you know what, you, you Angelique, you brought up a you know in, in that particular scenario or case in Texas, like it just I don't know if. And I, I told this on a, on a previous show way back, way back. But I, I want to say it again to any of the people that are listening now or will listen, and even to you guys, like something that just opened my eyes up. I was already for gay marriage for a while now, but or not gay marriage, marriage equality, you know, same sex marriage or whatever. But like when I I watched this um, film called Bridegroom, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's on Netflix, and. Basically, it was, you know, two Caucasian guys, you know, and they were in love, and they were going to get married and all this good stuff, you know. And the guy ended up, one of the guy, one of the lovers, you know, ended up dying tragically in an accident, freak accident. And 
baby. The parents came in and just basically, you know, had a funeral without the lover. The lover's been with this guy for years, and I mean, just totally ostracized him. And, you know, that was the thing that really told me, like, look, like, I'm not going to rush to get married to someone that I'm in love with. That's never the case because I'm going to take my time, and I hope everyone does take their time, you know. But those are the things that, that are important. You know, I know of another situation that I won't say online, but, you know, th- those things just matter. You know, it, th- like like Cameron and, and Angelique were saying, you know, getting what, marriage is just not about walking down an aisle. Yes, it's beautiful, and yes, I may shed a tear, but it's really it surpasses all of that. You know, that's just the, the little icing or that's just the little, you know, fru-la-la, you know, to, to add to the fact that you are now married to someone that you that you love and you care for. Um, but anyone that's out there that have Netflix, you know, definitely go and watch um, Bridegroom. So, so this is a little game that I told you guys I want to play. And um, I don't, I really don't, I didn't think of the name of the game. But um, I'm sure all of us have, I'm sure all of us have been in a room or being at at home in camera, we've had talks, and, you know, Delry, I'm sure you had talks. Every, all of us have had talks with our friends and just having casual conversation. And then what ends up happening is you tend to find out somebody that's your friend, your best friend, or whoever doesn't necessarily agree with what, you know, you say just like how we, we're talking now, but just really, you really find out their true colors, you know, once you start talking to them about certain issues, whether it be sex, relationships, love, whatever. So I have some mm-hmm. common arguments. Um, that I found, you know, via social media, you know, things of that nature, that I'm going to give you, I'm going to call one of you out, I'm going to give you the statement or the argument, and I want you, I want your rebuttal, I, and some of you are doing pretty good at it now, but I want your rebuttal, and I want, I want to know what you would say to that person, and then I have a rebuttal as well, and basically I want to help, <laughs> I want to help my, my gay men and women out there and trans men and women, you know, on how to really you know, have to set your, set your game up. When people want to come at you about marriage equality and why this is bad and why, you know, whatever, whatever, you have some facts and you have some things that you can throw in their face because <clears throat> the thing is, you know, if, you're, if you don't know what's going on, if you don't really know your history or are or, or well-educated on whatever the issue is, I mean, you, you lose, you know, and, it's something, and when it's something about us, something that we have our right now, you know, we need to be well-informed. So, I'm going to give the first argument to Del Rio. Um, so, Del Rio, you, are you ready? Do you understand the game? I just want you to give me a rebuttal. And you can, you know, after the, whatever the statement is, I want you to give me a rebuttal and explain to me why what I'm saying is not right. Or, or, at least, or, or at least charge or challenge me. Okay? Okay, let me have a sip oh. right quick. Hold on. Oh, Jesus. What you sipping on? Uh, this Carl Sidman Riesling. It's really Cameron, good. you over there drinking? I'm just playing. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not <laughs> Okay, baby. Okay, so the the common argument, um, this is argument number one. Gay marriage harms the institution of traditional marriage. Gay marriage, somebody had to, we had a dinner table, and they said, well, child, gay marriage harms the institution of traditional marriage. What's your what's your rebuttal? <laughs> Um, you're making this rapid fire. I use I usually have to say, "Hey, give me a second, and I'm gonna get back." <laughs> but you're making a rapid fire, so I'm gonna go ahead and try to get this one out. Um, what, one of my biggest things about uh, when people say that uh, gay marriage harms traditional marriage uh, is my this is my thing my my uh, question to them: If marriage 
if marriage is so sacred and if marriage is such an institution from God, why haven't we passed laws to make divorce illegal? That's one of my arguments. That's the first thing I come up with because we don't even have to touch gay marriage. Let's just deal with marriage in itself. If marriage is mm-hmm. such a sacred institution, why is divorce not legal? I mean, not illegal. Mm-hmm. So after after they cannot respond to that, and I just feel like gloating, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit, because uh, they will never respond to that because they can't respond to it. Uh, that's a question that I've been asking preachers and pastors and, uh, and, and leaders of religious organizations for years since I was 15, and they couldn't answer that. Why isn't why isn't divorce legal? I mean, illegal, and they can't answer it. So my my question after that is, there are so for me, my statement after that is for me, there are so many toxic things that happen in heterosexual marriages that, you know, harm the union of marriage in itself. And like I said, if if we continue with this 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 mantra of 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 using the terminology gay marriage, they're gonna always mm-hmm. they're gonna always shoot something back at us, and that's why I don't even get in conversations where the topic gay marriage. I work in a building full of heterosexual men, uh, you know, young black men. Uh, most of them are professionals. We have some who are not professional because of the the nature. You know, they don't they're not white collar because of the nature of their job. And I hear some of the conversations that, that go on in, you know, in that place. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to challenge them only because, you know, they make these statements and they, they have the, these ideologies about what, you know, gay is and who we are and, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't get these rights and things of that nature. And, you know, it's easy for me mm-hmm. to, to make an argument and throw it in their face, but, hey, I'm your boss. This gay man is your boss. Mm-hmm. But I never do that. I try to get them to rationally see that what goes on in a person's bedroom and who a person decides to love and uh, who a person decides to share their investments, their wealth, their family, and all of those things, their, their worldly possessions, their spirituality, who, who that person decides to share that with should be no one else's business. We want to keep the – you know, the people who make these arguments, they have a problem with the government being so big, but it's okay for the government to be big enough to tell us who we can marry and who we can't marry. Like, it, it makes no sense. So socially, you know, when it comes to social issues, the government can, you know, tell a woman, you can't have an abortion, or can tell a, a black, you know, black people that, you know, these are going to be voting restrictions for you guys, you know, the equivalent of poll taxes, or can tell gay people you can't get married, or you can't have your, 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 your uh, partner or your lover's benefits, you know, if they die or if something happens to them or if something happens to you. But at the same token, then they don't want the government spending money or don't want the government doing it. So it's just it's it's always like a two edged sword for me when when I'm I'm talking to somebody, especially when it comes to gay marriage, because my whole thing is let's not talk about gay marriage. Let's talk about marriage. And when we talk about marriage, the end of this mm-hmm. the conversation is okay. Let's talk about divorce, and then that's the end of the conversation because there's no rebuttal to that. So that's that's, that's kind of the the the. The path that I take, Micah, honestly. So, okay, and, and I appreciate that. So, this is the cat. This I call them the caddy responses. This, these, these are my, the caddy responses that I have to each to each argument. So, this is for you, for yours, 
Dario, where it says, again, gay marriage, because remember, I, I know it's same-sex marriage and marriage equality, but this is, it's gay marriage, because right, you know, right. talking to somebody. Gay marriage harms the institution of traditional marriage. So the Catholic response would be, okay, then name one tangible effect that same-sex marriages have on the function of functioning of individual heterosexual marriages. The ability of same-sex couples to get married doesn't alter a single aspect of heterosexual marriages, directly or indirectly. The legal rights and benefits of heterosexual couples are completely unaffected by the existence of same-sex marriage. It's not as if straight couples suddenly start loving each other less or start treating their kids worse once a a gay person starts getting married. Have marriage rate been in decline since states started legalizing gay marriage? Well, sure, but marriage rates have been declining steadily since the 1970s, decades before any U.S. jurisdiction legalized gay marriage. So that's, 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 that's your rebuttal to them, you know, to the people that were like, well, gay marriage or same-sex marriage harms the institution of traditional marriage. So there you go. So, and thank you, um, Dario. I appreciate your response. Now, Cam, are you ready for yours? Oh, I'm next? Okay, I got you. Go ahead. Okay, yes. Your argument is, or, you know, someone says in your group, marriage has always been between a man and a woman. Legalizing same-sex marriage will be changing thousands of years of tradition. Hmm. So if I said, child. I think it goes. Go ahead. Well, for me, it goes back to what I said earlier, though. Um, yes, if you go off the Bible and all of this other hoopla, yes, between a married and a, a man and a woman, but that's the, that discusses the union and everything that comes along with it, but it does not define the rights that we have today. And I think now that there are certain ineligible, ineligible excuse me, ineligible, I can't even get the word out. Those rights. <laughs> now that there are certain rights that come along with this institution of marriage, who we can't we can't say this group of people deserve it, and yet these other group of people don't because it doesn't agree with my religion or what was stated in the Bible. Even yeah. though we've already stated that the institution of marriage came long before the Bible, and maybe the Bible defined it according to its own beliefs, but it existed mm-hmm. way before then. Right. Okay, so here's the catty response. <laughs> so the catty response to the argument, marriage has always been between a man and a woman, legalizing same-sex marriage will be changing thousands of years of, of tradition. The response is, a lot of things were always that way, quote-unquote, before they were changed. For example, dictatorial rule by kings and emperors, lack of any legally recognized human rights, prohibition on land ownership by people without royal blood, Ritual human sacrifice, curing medical ailments with spells and magic. Now, should we go back to doing all of that? Why is long-standing why is long-standing tradition a good reason to prohibit same-sex marriage? That's what you leave them with. So, I love your response, and I love the cat response too. So, uh, Angelique, are you ready? I'm ready. And I hope everybody's listening, so you because um, because y'all will you. Y'all been having a lot of talk online about, you know, marriage equality and same-sex marriage or whatever. So, you know, when people kicking y'all these little statements, y'all can kick them back with something. Um, Okay, so, Angelique, your argument is the purpose of marriage is to procreate and same-sex couples can't have children. (laughs) Okay. 
Um, so does that, if you take that particular line of thinking, would that mm-hmm. mean that as a heterosexual couple who is not capable of procreating, be it the man or the woman, did that invalidate their marriage or mean that they should not be allowed the right to be married? Mm, that's good. I like that. So, Angelique, here's my catty response. <laughs> so, should, and, and it goes right along with you, what you said. So should we prohibit straight couples from getting married if they're biologically incapable of having kids? What about if they simply don't want kids? The percentage of married couples with children have been declining over the last 25 years, but couples who don't want kids can still get married. And does adoption count? Because around 19% of same-sex couples actually adopt kids. In addition, there are plenty of legal benefits, like hospital visitation rights, joint tax returns, welfare welfare benefits for spouses, and estate inheritance that married couples enjoy regardless of whether or not they choose to have children. So should the government prevent straight couples from from receiving those benefits until they have kids? So basically we were on the we were on the same same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Anjali. But yeah, I mean yeah, those yeah. are the those are things that you just, you know, you have to kick back to that. I don't want to say ass, but, you know, it is pretty dark. Some things, those are things that you have to kick back to them. So um, I guess I'll give this one to uh, Jamal. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, Jamal, your argument is if we legalize same-sex marriage, it's a, sleep, it's a slippery slope to polygamy, incest, and bestiality. Um, now you in a room for the people, and one of your friends has said this now. So, how, what's what's going to be your your rebuttal to them? Wait, a polygamy, incest, and bestiality. Uh huh. <laughs> well, first of all, if we look back in history, incest has always um, passed down through the royals. They've had. Um, Incestual relationships uh, consistently, um, and also polygamy is is littered throughout the Bible. Hell, Abraham had uh, 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 his slave. Uh, Sarah had Abraham to fucking uh, fuck his slave girl for a child. So if if we're saying that you know it would lead to, but what what does marriage have to do with who you sleep with anyway? What does marriage have to do with um, sexually defined acts? It has nothing to do with sexually defined acts. Okay. So the the caddy response would be, I'm arguing for one law and one law only, legal marriage rights for same-sex couples. Anything else is a different policy argument altogether. Overturning bans on gay marriage has no legal effect on polygamous, incestuous, or human-being-animal relationships. Those are separate areas of law, and they won't be affected by the existence of marriage rights for same-sex couples. Now, if you're saying that allowing gay marriage will set a legal precedent for legalizing other types of relationships, then you need to have some sort of evidence as to why that might happen. And saying that you personally think that homosexuality is in the same category as incest isn't evidence. And what was my last little little piece? Oh, yeah. And... um, it's a moral judgment, and the Supreme Court has ruled against laws based on personal moral judgment. And lastly, and dogs and dogs can't physically sign contracts, so they'll never be able to get married anyway. <laughs> so, um, 
So those are those are instances or those are things that, you know, I've researched and I've seen that, you know, people really have these arguments that uh, about, you know, about same-sex marriage and, and what it's all about and things of that nature. And what I really appreciate, um, and I even for my own mother, like we haven't, me and my mom have never talked about, I, could tell her, I, was, I forgot to tell her to, to listen to the show, but we have never talked about me getting married to another man. Never, ever, you know, but I think um, some of you may have seen, like, you know, when everybody was changing their colors and, you know, when everybody, when they ruled and changed, had the flag over their faces and all of that thing, my mother changed hers, too. And so, for me, that was kind of like, even though we have never talked about it, you know, it felt good to know that my family, especially my mother, would be accepting if in the event that I decided to, you know, marry a man and I wouldn't feel ostracized, and which I know I wouldn't, not by her. She's the only one I really care about, her and my brother. But, you know, those are the things I think that people just need to be more aware of just because of just because you're not gay or you're not, you know, um, into whatever, you know, we still should have those rights because at the end of the day, if, like I think Del Rio said, you know, his, his co-workers were saying, you know, we, we shouldn't have the right to do this, that, and the other. Well, if that's the case, then we don't need to pay taxes any, anymore. Then every every person that's gay should decide to say, you know, I'm gay. I don't want need to pay taxes anymore. If you're not going to allow me those rights, because why am I going to sit here and pay taxes each and every time that I get paid and it goes to this and the other when I can't exercise the right to do what I want to do? You know, and I'm not, I can't marry the person that I want to marry. I can't have control over, you know, we can't have control over each other's estate, estates and, and, and things of that nature because we are not legally, you know, married. So um, that was my thing in, in regards to that. So I appreciate you guys playing that playing that little game. So, Del Rio, you had some, um, you had something that you wanted to, uh, to bring, well, you want to talk about, um, we, have, um, we have some minutes left. In regards to um, race relations and racism, and and I know that Cameron and um, well, all of you guys um, will uh, should be able to join in and really have a conversation about what's been happening in regards to Charleston, um, uh, Dylan Dylan Roof, as well as the Confederate flag um, that it, that may possibly be coming down as a Friday. So go ahead and take it away, Debra. Okay, so. Uh... So basically, I just jotted something down, and after I read it, then I'll go into uh, the little quick, uh, quick questions uh, for for the panel uh, and Micah, you as well. Uh, on the eve of June uh, 17, 2015, a mass shooting occurred at Emanuel AME Church in downtown Charleston. Nine people were killed, including the senior pastor, State Senator Clementa C. Pinkney. This congregation is one of the United States oldest black churches and has long been the site of community organization around civil rights and human rights issues. The state of South Carolina has charged 21-year-old Dylan Ruth uh, with nine counts of murder and most recently one count of attempted murder of uh, the sole survivor of this unfortunate massacre. Uh, Yet the United States Department of Justice is still mauling the possible federal hate crimes charge. There are several issues and factors that are at hand here, and they must be discussed, debated, and hashed out in the right manner in order to move forward with healing, wholeness, and a firm determination to rid our society of this level of perpetrated crime. And I say this level of perpetrated crime because, uh, I mean, perpetrated hate, I'm sorry, 
because we may not ever rid the world or our society of hate, but the perpetrated hate uh, we possibly can. Uh, at issue are the following, uh, one, racism, two, mental health, and three, uh, gun control. So uh, the first thing I want to ask, uh, some have resisted and even criticized the DOJ's investigation into these murders uh, as possible federal hate crimes because uh, there are those who firmly believe in states' rights. Uh, but these same people have in the past uh, intimidated uh, and are co- coerced uh, district attorneys, judges, and legal counsel into bending the law in their favor. Should there even be question? or doubt into whether this is a federal hate crime or not? Anyone? Looking at the facts that are, are presented, should should there be any uh, any doubt or, or questions into whether this is a federal hate crime or not? No. I don't think I don't think that there's a question if it's a federal hate crime or not. I think his actions were calculated, they were definitely intentional and premeditated, and he set out to actually attack a particular group of people, which is what the Hate Crime Act is actually set to prevent or to charge someone with. So I don't understand why there's any debate. I also don't understand why he's out on bond. But that really blows my mind completely when I watch the news every day and a person who kills one person or a drug dealer who's moving a certain amount of product those people are held without bond, but this person who intentionally committed a mass murder against a particular fashion of people, they're out on bond. I don't understand that. Are you serious? Okay, so hold on. <laughs> so No, I mean, is that true? Yeah, so this is this is my thing. He is out on bond, uh, Cameron. Yeah. You know, this, this, is, this is Micah, the way that was Jamal and Micah. So you say he is out on bond? He is. Wait, yes, wait. Okay, so hold on. <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on. I'm sitting up in this or, or, let, let me put it. Let me put it to you like this. As as of today, I can't say that. I know that uh, in the days following after his arrest, he was let out on bond. Now, yeah. has anything changed from that point until today? I'm not sure. Okay, but he so was. This, this is what I this is what I thought, Jamal. Now I'll let you tag it. This is what I thought when I when I was following. <laughs> You know, I'm from I'm, no. I'm from South Carolina, so you know, I'm really, like I was really into that. But I was thinking that he had a he had a bond on a certain charge, which was like one million dollars or whatever, but not on the 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 nine counts of homicide or or murder or whatever the case may be. So I never even heard that he even got out on bond. I just thought he had a bond on a specific charge, but he still had to account Me for too. the nine murders. Mhm. Me too. That's what I thought. So can somebody find out? Wait, wait, Mike, Micah, say that again. You thought that he was out on I, bond no, from no, no, no. something I, no, no, else? No, no, no. I, no, no, no. I never thought <clears throat> he was out on bond. I never thought he was out on bond. Period. They set a bond. I, they they set, set a bond, bond for certain charges. Right. But the other ones, they didn't. But the other ones, okay. they did not. Well, I'm sorry. I have my information wrong. There's there's no, no, ten no. there's ten charges. No, no. That's why I want y'all to look up. I don't know if it's it, it out or not. I'm just like I just that's what I remember. I just remember him having a having a bond for for a certain charge or charges. But on the murder, you know, there was no bond on that. So that's that's what I was left off with. So I don't know if he's out or not. That's why I said somebody can Google it and see what's going on with it. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. But um, Cameron, are you still here? 
Yes, I'm I'm just listening okay. because I could say a lot on this subject. And I want you to say a lot um, in the 30 minutes that we have, but this is what I want to say before you say a lot. I look at, because Del Rio said something in regards to singled out. You know, he said singled out, I think um, I think he said singled out or something like that and, and what he was, you know, um, conveying to us. And so I was thinking about the whole thing of that church, that church is, you know, a historic church in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, um, so that church, that pastor, who was also a senator, who also was the one who was, that was also fighting, my cousin, but also your cousin, okay, um, that was mm-hmm. that was fighting um, about for the body cameras. You know what I'm saying? After the incident that happened in, I believe it was North Charleston or in the same area. You know, in regards to when, when the man jumped out of the car, and you remember the guy was just, you know walking along or on his bike or whatever, and he recorded. You know, the guy getting shot mm-hmm. by the police officer. You know, so at that North point, North Charleston. So at that which they're they're right right there. So at that point, the senator um was the Clemency Pinckney, like at that point he from that and then the whole Baltimore thing and then everything else before that, it was like, Okay, hold up. Now now this is happening in South Carolina. Okay, so now we gotta get the we gotta get the, the, the ball rolling. We gotta do these things. So it's like now I start to question, is it something higher than was Dylan Roof the the pawn, so to speak, or was he that person that someone else used so that he could carry out their mission? Was he the Lee Harvey Oswald? Right. right. I do believe so. I do. Go ahead, Cam. Take it away. Well, well for me, being a person um... – who is probably getting ready to uh, study law within the next uh-huh. few weeks. I, I won't jump to speculation on that because I, I do know the fact of the case, so I can't, I can't say if he's a pun or not, but what is fact is that he committed these crimes. And what is also fact is the fact that we as a – this is why I get off on my high horse. Um, I feel that we as a community, we have a tendency to handle issues completely wrong. The first thing I'm going to address is every time – there's a crime against our people. We have those ignorant-ass black folk out there who start saying, well, how are we going to talk about them when we still have black-on-black crime? Right, right. And I'm going to be right. one. That is the most stupid, ignorant-ass statement that a black person can ever say from their mouth. First of all, it is statistically proven that every ethnicity among themselves, every race among themselves, are surrounded typically by that race, right, predominantly by that, their own. So mm-hmm. the crime is going to mostly occur within their own communities. That's not just for black people. That's for all communities. It's just that we harp on it more. And furthermore, a black man killing a black man is not an excuse for someone else to kill us, kill us and rape us and murder us and do all kinds of things to our community unjustly either. And I'm, I feel like by us saying those type of comments, you're giving them an excuse to continue yeah. to do it because you're mm-hmm. making excuses for this crime. And the fact is not that we're killing each other. The fact is that they are killing us at a high rate that is unjust according to the American legal system. And at some point we need to come together instead of talking about black on black crime and say that, we need to make America live up to its true creed of having justice for all in its truest sense. And we mm-hmm. focus on these minuscule and these, like, minute circumstances that surround everything that happens to our community instead of coming together. It's, it goes from everything from these 
hate crimes to presidential elections. You have people, black folk, who always want to go against the grain just because they want to go against the grain. I'm not blowing for, voting for Barack Obama because everybody said I'm supposed to do it because I'm black. No. First of all, do your research and realize that this man has your best interest at, at heart. Overall, because I was one of them people who voted for Hillary at first, too. But that was only because being a political science major, I feel like she knew more about foreign policy than he did. That was my reason. It wasn't just because, oh, everybody, I know everybody else black voting for him, so I'm not going to do it just because. Like now, Hillary. Oh, I'm not going to vote for her just because she's another Bill Clinton and she's all for the black people, but I'm just going to go against the grain just because. Oh, I'm not going to go with all black lives matter because all lives matter because everybody, all the other black folks is going with it. I'm like, realize you're fighting this world, people. Black people, wake up and pay attention to what's going on around you. Everything is not about going against the grain, but it is about standing up as a people. And with that fight, that's the only way that we can move mountains, but we tend to want to be so different. And we tend to want to fit that, well, not fit the stereotype of being an angry black man or a powerful black man or pro-black. We don't want to fit these certain stereotypes, so we go against the grain just because. And to me, that's what we need to get over. And that, those are the type of people who say, oh, well, we got to eradicate black-on-black crime. No, it ain't no first, because justice is justice, according to yeah, the American right. judicial system. You get what I'm saying? Right. Oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop listening there. I'm going to stop No, listening. I get it. Because, you know, well, no, don't stop, because what I would like to know is, because <laughs> I'm with everything you're saying, where do you think the disconnect comes in at? I think the disconnect the disconnect comes in today is in education. A lot of people don't pick up a book to read. They don't research their own history. They don't do the research that it takes of knowing where they come from and the struggle of the fight and where they're headed. They just go off of what is being said, what is being pushed out there in social media. They rely on things that are being fed to them instead of researching these things for themselves or even giving a damn about it. Nobody gives a damn about the black race. They give a damn about themselves, and are they going to be the next Instagram celebrity, and are they going to be the next rapper, the next basketball player? And it's like people forget the importance of everything that we're fighting for. And people don't even think that there is a fight, which is the most sad, which is the saddest part of it all. People don't think that people don't think that there is a fight or a need to fight for anything no more because they think that we've arrived, because we have a black president or because we have seemed to seemingly progress in the world, but they don't realize we're right back where we are. Long ago, we were still fighting for the same things that we're fighting for now. And just because the fight died down just a little bit, just because the fight died down just a little bit, it it, it came back around. You know, the words of Marvin Gaye, all mercy, mercy, uh, mercy, mercy, me, you know, things ain't what they used to be. We still can sing them lyrics, and they still hold true to today. But nobody believes that the fight is relevant. Nobody wants to be the bad, the bad, outspoken black person who America is going to make them the bad guy. You get what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be that guy. Therefore, we lack leaders today, and we lack a, we lack a certain ambition to want to be better, to want to do better, mm-hmm. to want to go against the grain. We don't have anybody who wants to be the Marcus Garvey. We don't have anybody who wants to be the Malcolm X, but instead everybody wants to be the Martin Luther Kings and the Rosa Parks. Not true. Well, I, I would say that um, the problem with us today, the, the quote that I love is by James Baldwin, to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. People who are conscious and educated and actually see the big, bigger picture 
who actually can fuck themselves out of what the system has um, basically bred within black people. You have to understand, this is a race of people that have were enslaved for over 400 years, and then after that were um, Jim Crowed for 100 years, and it was only 40 or 50 years ago that we just had the civil rights movement. So you have generations and generations of inbred um, racism and also not only racism but self-hate taught to yes. black people yes. by white people. Self-hate talked and, and bred within us, and that self-hate is so evident. When you are conscious, you're like, you can't be that stupid that black-on-black crime will come out of your mouth in this situation. But then again, you have to understand where the black race has come from and where they are right now. I just, every time I look at the judicial system or the legal system, sit in a damn traffic courtroom. Sit in the traffic courtroom and sit there and look at what the fuck is going on and look at the cycle that is going on from simple traffic court. And you have black people who are trying to make it, struggling, 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 trying to make it. And then you have um, the school system, the school system set up against our black children. You have the damn political system set up against black people. You have the fucking airline industry that I work in set up against black people because everybody from the top to the middle management is white and heterosexual and a male mostly. And most black people, what do you see them doing? They're the gate agents, they're fucking flight attendants, and they think they've arrived when they got there. It's just the self-hate that is taught in us that we can't even bring ourselves. That's the same thing, the same self-hate that I see evident in that black or minority LGBT community that pisses me off because it, it breeds ignorance, it breeds stupidity, and it breeds people to say the things that come out their mouth and do the things that are coming mm-hmm. out their mouth. Preach, preach out. to say that. <laughs> but I, but I, I also want to say, I also want to say that uh, uh, that that we 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 have to take some of the blame as well. I mean, of course, there's there's everything that's been said is the truth, and you guys know I agree. Everything's been said. If you see my Facebook page, I've probably said some of these same things that you guys have said. But I think a lot of times we, you know, the foundation of all of that. I mean, you know, there's going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be those times where you, which we're going to be discriminated, discriminated against because this is like you guys say, it's inbred, it's innate. The the the, the, uh, the oppressor has been been uh, this has been passed down from generation to generation. Our problem is we didn't pass it down from generation to, to generation. We didn't mm-hmm. parentally, we didn't teach our kids how to love themselves. Parentally, we didn't do it. We missed it. And 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 and, and now is a generation where we're still believing, accepting, and and propagating that same uh, that same mentality that the man they did it. They, they're the reason, and we have more opportunity now to raise strong. I have a a, a nine year old daughter. I think Cam and 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 Micah know that. I have a nine year old daughter, and it is it's it's my responsibility to raise a strong black female. That's it. I don't care if she's gay. Uh, I don't care if she's lesbian or straight. A strong black female. She was born that way. I have to raise a strong black female. It is my my job, my duty, my responsibility to her and to the, those who came before us to make sure that she is fully equipped 
with all of the resources so that she can be able to be a strong black woman and pass that down to, you know, her kids. But I think the the, 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 the foundation of all of this is the, the parental responsibility in it that we sometimes miss because, you know, for whatever reason. But I think we miss that a lot of times when we are ascribing blame for things and blame it, not using the word blame in a negative light, uh, because a lot of this is blame and it is rightfully, you know, given to, you know, the, the system and it's rightfully given to uh, the minority race, I mean, the majority race. And, and so, but part of that is for us, because once you've, you've been taught and once you've acknowledged, you know, who you are, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. It becomes a different type of fight when you know who you are and you know who your enemy is and, you know, and you've been equipped with the weapons to fight that enemy. It's a different type of fight at that point. But when you're not equipped, when you're not equipped, you don't know yourself and you haven't been taught about your enemy, that's a fight somewhere else. So we're fighting on two different grounds. Exactly. Exactly. No, I want to say this real quick. So something, and I love everything that you're saying, and Cameron, Jamal, y'all can jump back in. Um, first and foremost, I, I think that we, because, you know, all of what Daryl just said in regards to, to the parentals and, and, you know, as Jamal was saying, and, you know, it was embedded in us. This is, this is I mean, or embedded in, in, in black society. This is how it was always passing generation to generation. And now that we are in, as they say, the time, this time and this hour, you know, we have to, to make that change. And I remember Benny used to always say this, and it rings true to what we're going through now and, and, and period, but we have to be the change that we want to see. You know, if we want to see yeah. change, then we have, to, we have to start that. We have to do that now. You know, and even though I love social media and, you know, somewhat, some, some parts of it, love social media, I love what's going on in, the, in, in this and the other, I really don't try to, aside from Caitlyn Jenner, <laughs> I don't really try to involve myself too much of all this other mess that's going on because it's, you know, like you have been saying, these are things that we're worried, we're worried about, honestly, the wrong things. You know, um, the trans thing, you know, that's the LGBT thing. You know, those, those are our issues, those things that we take on. You know, but when it comes down to this transsexual did this or, or this person that shot, did a screenshot, whatever. Like, at this point, I don't know if people are ready for what's about to come, but in 2016 with this whole presidential election or whatever, you better do your research. You better know who's, right. who's, who's running, and you better go out there and vote. If you don't do nothing else, vote for the person that is going to be for um, what you truly believe in. Don't vote, as Cameron was talking about, don't just vote because, oh, they black, or don't vote because, um, you know, this a woman and she's going to be like Clinton or, you know, whatever. Okay, vote for who, you know, who really rides for what you, what you stand for. And sometimes if you don't know what you stand for, you need to ask yourself those questions before you start really um, researching those candidates when it comes down to, you know, you actually going to the voting booth and, and, and you know, following your, your vote or whatever the case may be. You know, because 2016, I'm not going to say I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. You know, I'm a Libertarian, but, you know, with all of that said, I really don't know if that. But with all of that said, like, we just have to really be conscious. We have to be aware of what the hell is going on because these little things that are blocking us or blocking our view and, and we're just mm-hmm. worried about the wrong things, when it comes down to this presidential election and we get the wrong person in the office, we are royally fucked. And yeah. we can't blame but it on nobody that, else but us. If that also comes with um, um, 
I, I think when we're talking about the people being conscious and aware and everything, I thank my parents and I thank my grandmother mm-hmm. for giving me a very strong, rooted, um, I always call it a love of my blackness because um, I really know who Marcus Garvey was. I really do know who um, Booker Talaferro Washington was. I really do know what, who these people are, and I've researched and studied. And I really also um, thank the, like, even when it comes down to my LGBT community, um, the, the people who I looked up to who I, I knew who um, – who my aunts, my the people who came before me were and what gay issues like people who paved the way for me and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that is missing in this um, in this community today, black and LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. I think that what we're really missing is strong, solid foundations and also strong, substantial people in our in these communities. Um, mm-hmm in order to have these type of conversations, in order to and and, and, and give out these types of, um, you know, have these sort of conversations with those who are coming up, those who are um, who are around us, you know, I, because I look on social media and I see just frivolous things. Like right now we're talking about Tigger's dick and, um, and uh, what trans woman has exposed them. You know, that's frivolous information. For frivolous information that you could do not need to be concerning yourself with mm-hmm. at all. And then you have Don, um, not Don um, Lemon, um, you have fucking um, interview literally telling y'all, like, literally, no, he's coming in second right now. He's in second in the, uh, on the, um, Donald Trump. The, in the polls, Donald Trump. Yeah, he's second in the polls, Donald Trump. And he's sitting here literally telling immigrants that y'all pieces of shit and, and, you know, spewing out all of this. And people on the Internet talking about Tigger's dick. Right. And, my and they don't even realize that most of that party, this man has a second largest vote of percentage of that party right now. And I'm like, that should tell you about the America that we live in in itself. Uh, and also one thing that I want to point, also one thing that I want to point out too is, you have to surround yourself with the right people too. Because on my timeline, Tiger Dick is not. Of course, it's here and there, but on my timeline, what's flowing around is the argument for charter school versus public schools. The argument on the Supreme Court cases that just passed. You get what I'm saying? The presidential uh-huh. election. So it's about what you what you choose to surround yourself with too. And although a lot of that, a lot of social media may be appeasing. A lot of the things that goes in the world that are really frivolous may be appeasing. You have to start surrounding your things with people and things that matter to you. You get what I'm saying? Don't fall into that trap. And a lot of us tend to fall into that trap where we get complacent in the world that surrounds us because we don't want to lose this friend because we care about them. Or we don't want to, say, uh, make ourselves look a certain way to this person. But sometimes you have to say, what, what is important to me? And instead of displacement, I don't place, place Although a percentage, a small percentage, does go to the parents these days. But also the famous saying says, when I was a child, I acted as such, and when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up around positive individuals. I didn't grow up around people who were telling me to go, you can be a lawyer, and you can be all that you can be. I grew, I grew up in the projects of Montgomery, Alabama. I grew up around drug deals. I grew up around... Uh, abusive stepfather who beat my mom for 21 years. You know, I could have been one of those people in jail on the street selling drugs or whatever, 
But like most people, I'll say this is not the type, this is not the kind of life that I want to live. But unlike most people, I chose to do something about that. And a lot of people just get complacent in their life and say, I can't make it out of this because they, they don't see past what's in front of them. But that's your own personal decision. If I had to even tell my own twin sister at one point, I said, we grew up in the same household with the same cause that was dealt to us. Why am I here and you are there? And you're mm-hmm. the one complaining about you being there, but you haven't made any steps to do anything about it. So it ain't nobody's fault. It ain't mom's fault. It ain't dad's fault. It's your fault because now you are an adult and you're responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you don't like your situation, then you make the effort to do better. But what a lot of black people do is they tend to be lazy, and they tend to be a victim of their own circumstance and feel sorry for themselves and while in their own self-pity instead of changing the dynamics of that situation. So that's nobody else's fault but yours. And because they tend to wallow in that own self-pity, then they develop this chip on, the sh- on their shoulder like the old world, like the world owes them something because of the cards they were dealt. But everybody in life is dealt a set of cards that they have to figure out how to play strategically. Mm-hmm. And if we wake up and pay attention and start actually playing the cards that we were dealt, instead of leaving those cards in our hands just looking at them, crying and saying, I can't do nothing about this, you're going to still be in that same situation. And and basically, it ain't nobody's fault but yours. So we have to wake up. We have to start paying attention. If you want to do better, do better. There is no excuse, and that's what we do. We make excuses for things that we think we can't control, but we're the only people who can control our destiny. We're the only we people who can make sense. We have to be the change that we want to see. <laughs> I'm sorry to be on the high horse, but that's how I feel about it, and I hate when people make excuses. You get what I'm saying? Oh, I'm yeah. like, if you don't want to situation for yourself, then go out there and change it. And once you start changing things, you see how it, how easy it is to change. Now, you may have a little fight, some little trials and tribulations along the way, but you're supposed to. That's the point of it all. That's the point of progression. Let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. This is totally, uh, it's not left, but it's a a question. Okay, so if if you're at work, okay, if you're at work, okay, scenario, the boss, I mean, the the Baltimore, you know, things that was going up in Baltimore in in the Freddie Gray situation and the riots and all of that, okay? So I live, I live with maybe about three minutes away from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, so all that stuff is going on. People say, "Oh, are you okay, da, da, da. baby?" I'm looking like, "Baby, I'm not, I'm not out there in the trenches." You know, not saying that I don't care for this man. You know what has happened to the man is wrong, but I, I'm not out there rioting, right? So I'm at work, and you know, someone at work. Um, I, I can't tell you who it is, but it's somebody at work that is of leadership. Asked me, oh, is everything okay? You know, I just want to make sure that you was all right and this and other. And I'm looking at them like, well, girl, what? What me? What's going on? Like, I know what's going on in Buffalo, but she wasn't. She wasn't specific. So she was like, oh, well, you know, all the rights and stuff like that. And so I, now, am I wrong in this way? But I almost was a little offended because it, it felt to me like you had already put me in this category of. Oh, I'm the one living in Baltimore. I'm the one that's in here riding and, you know, or, or I'm in that neighborhood or because I'm black, I'm going through all of that, you know, and I kind of felt a little yeah. way. I, I never said anything to her because she is leadership, but I just felt really because it almost was like, well, damn, is that what you really think of me? Is that, your, you know, I never, you know. Well, Michael, let me ask you this. Yeah. 
Micah, could 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 she have could she have been uh speaking uh well asking a question from a more sympathetic place like are you okay concerning, you know, the, the verdict and how do you feel about it and, you know, that kind of I mean, I'm asking. I don't know, I wasn't there. She could, she, could, she, could, she, she, have been, she could have very well been, but I'm telling you what my initial reaction was sitting at my desk and I was like, Girl, what? Like Okay, I get it. You know, and, and see, I come, you know, I'm from South Carolina. We I, we dealt with that Confederate flag stuff when I was in high school. You know, as I said on Facebook before, in high school, and them kid, those kids coming in. You know, I I never really was dealt with like even though living in South Carolina, I was never really I never really dealt with racism like that. Or you know, somebody calling me out of my name, I never really dealt with that. So when that whole Confederate thing happened and they took it off the Capitol in Columbia, South Carolina, and put it on that pole that, they, that it, where it lays now or rests or flies now, you know, those kids were, I started to pay attention to the Confederate flag. These people had this stuff on a hillbilly truck coming in and out of the schoolyard, this and the other, waving it, you know, and then they can't wear it in schools anymore. And it's like, oh, my God, well, hold up, wait a minute. What did I miss? You know, and, and that kind of stuff was put in front of us, but... I, I, I am sympathetic to things that have happened in those different areas, you know, to, to those black men or whatever, but even with the situation that happened in Charleston, I look at it from a standpoint of not black on black or this white boy shot these black people up, you know. I really look at it like, you know, going back to the camera, justice is justice. I don't care who did it. I don't care if a black man walked in the church, sat there for an hour, had a conversation, and then shot them up. He still deserves to get his ass roasted or whatever the case may be, you know, whoever it is. Right. So I, I just don't want people to out there to look at it, oh, yeah, the white boy may be racist and this and the other. At the end of the day, this white boy killed nine people. Just like I can't think of the, the, think of the guy's name. Remember, remember the, the guy in the, in the, up here in, in Maryland? What, what they call him? The that? sniper? The sniper. You know what I'm saying? Malvo. Like, yeah. Malvo, yeah. Yeah, all them, they, they, you know. They were trying to compare, you know, the, the situation, and, and they, I'm glad they brought it up because it was like, well, they handled they they handled the young guy, you know, just like they did Dylan Roof, but everybody was jumping off at the handle like, oh, they should have did this to him. They slammed him down. They didn't do this, you know, in those situations. And Daryl, you of course know that you have to handle them differently, you know, especially if they're not coming off with no force and they're not trying to, you know, they're not going against the officers and they're being, you know, whatever. But you know, I just want people. We only have five minutes, but I just want people to, you know, again, I think all, all of what we said, especially in this piece, is that you you need to be aware of what's going on, not only about what's going on in your community and, and all of that good stuff, but you need to be aware of what's going on in the world. You need to challenge yourself, and I and I hope that all of us are doing it because, you know, now I hate to talk. My thing is I'm going to stop talking about it and I'm going to do something. And my thing is, even with my platform, at least try to get people to listen in and see what's going on because once you start listening in and you figure out, you know, hey, maybe I should, you know, research this or maybe I should see what's really going on, you know, it just challenges yourself to, to know more about the world around you or whatever. And living up here, right. my God, I mean, ain't got no choice. So, you know, um, I just want people to challenge themselves, to to want to know more, to learn more, and then when you get kids or have kids and or whatever the case may be, that you're steering them in the right direction. So therefore, we won't go back another fifty years. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's what I, you know, I want people to to realize. I want people to start discovering. I want people to start challenging themselves. You know, because we have to stop talking, just talking about it. We got to do things about it, but there's a way of doing those things. So, you know, even if we just have those small conversations with our friends, you know, um, then that's what we need to do. So that was really the purpose for me having, 
you know, this and, and continuously having these talks because we have to talk about these things and to really charge ourselves and really challenge ourselves to, to do better as humans. And, again, we have to be the change that we want to see. Whatever you want, you can have, but you got to go out there and get it. It's not going to drop out the sky, you know? So um, did anybody have any parting words? I'll give you a minute. Anybody, anybody? Mm-mm. <laughs> oh, well, I just want to thank you for inviting me, Micah. I've enjoyed the discussion. I've enjoyed um, Cam, Del Rio, and Jamal. You guys are wonderful, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I thank you guys for, for tuning in and, you know, being on the panel. I thank you guys who out there are listening because there's a lot of you that are listening. I think like maybe 45 um, that are listening live. So that's good that I can see that are that I've actually dialed in. So thank you for that. So to my guests, just hold the line for me really quickly. We're going to play the closing, and then we'll be done. But to my guests, you just stay on the line until we, you know, we wrap up. So hold on for me. Oh. I was born. And oh, just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change's gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Well, guys, that's actually it for tonight's episode. I want to thank Cam Gray, Dario Cole, and Angelique Davenport on a very interesting yet informative show. You know, it's always great to hear different point of views when it comes down to today's politics, social issues, and the things that are around us. So I'm so glad that each of you who dialed in or listened in from your computer or your tablet that you actually supported the show and I really appreciate that. Now for season three, I'm kind of clueless as to where I want to start. So I'm asking you, the listening audience, to send in your topics to the talk with Micah at gmail.com. Again, the talk with Micah at gmail.com. Send those emails as soon as possible so I can go ahead and get the lineup ready, okay? Now, if also, if there's a certain person or persons that you would love for me to interview for Season 3, don't hesitate to send those names as soon as possible, okay? So we can go ahead and get them booked and lined up for the show. Now, as you know, I end each episode with a quote of the week. So here is this week's quote. Stop worrying about what other people think of you and focus more on what you think of yourself. Again, stop worrying about what other people think of you and focus more on what you think of yourself. Until next time, everyone be blessed. Well, now I think I'm able, able to carry on.